A black swan is a large water bird, a species of swan which lives mainly in the southeast and southwest regions of Australia. Within Australia itself, the black swan is a nomadic creature with erratic migration patterns dependent upon climatic conditions. It is a large bird with mostly black plumage and a red bill. This black swan was introduced to various countries as a for-show bird in the 1800s, but has managed to escape and form stable populations outside its native Australia. Swans broadly are the largest extant family members of the waterfowl family and are among the largest flying birds. The northern hemisphere species of swan have pure white plumage, but the southern hemisphere species are mixed black and white. The South American one, for example, is black-necked swan has a white body with a black neck. It was not until Dutch explorers led by a William D. Vamigish became the first Europeans to see black swans in Western Australia back in 1697. The term then transformed to imply the idea that a perceived impossibility might later be disproven. Financier and writer Mr. Nassim Nicholas Taleb a Lebanese national, also an American national, and also a French national, authored a book called Black Swan, The Impact of Highly Improbable, that was published in 2007 and made popular the concept of the black swan theory, namely the extreme impact of rare and unpredictable outlier events and the human tendency to find simplistic explanations for these events retrospectively. In this podcast, I want to look at the last 30 years of so-called black swan events or possible black swan events, dive into Taleb's assertions and see how people in the recent past dealt with such events. I'd like to then stick my neck out a bit and predict the possible next big crisis and how we might deal with it. The long and short of it is that the black swan theory It tries to explain the disproportionate role of high-profile, hard-to-predict and rare events that are beyond the realm of normal expectations in history, science, finance and technology. Again, high-profile, hard-to-predict and rare events that are beyond the realm of normal expectations in science, history, finance and technology. The events are non-computable of the probability of consequential rare events using traditional scientific methods. Psychological biases blind humans to these events and have both individually and collectively in the past, and that gives it a new narrative completely. Taleb's black swan theory refers mostly to unexpected events of large magnitude and consequence and their dominant role in history. Such events considered extreme outliers collectively play vastly larger roles than regular occurrences. Per Taleb, there are three observations that one can make for a black swan event. Number one, to the observer, the event is a surprise. Number two, the event has a major impact. Number three, After the first recorded instance of the event, it is somehow rationalized by hindsight as if it could have been expected. That is, the relevant data was available, but
but unaccounted for in traditional risk mitigation programs. The same is true for personal beliefs by individuals. If we look at the vast expanse of time, space and history, and then a lot of things technically fall into black swan events, the Big Bang or maybe even the meteor that hit the earth destroying the dinosaurs. Of course, no humans were around to record those events, but they are black swan events. But for this podcast, I want to just examine the last 30 years or so. By that reckoning, seeing as we're in 2021, 50 years takes us back to 1971. The five criteria that I will use for these events over the last 30 years are 1. Rare, non-computable events. 2. Element of psychological bias. 3. Was it a major effect? 4. Was it rationalized by hindsight? And 5. Was it a surprise to the observer? In short, high-profile, hard-to-predict, and rare events that are beyond the realm of normal expectations in history, science, finance, and technology. Let us apply those rules to six major historical events since the year 1991. And they are... Number one, COVID-19 from 2020 to 2022 onwards. Number two, Brexit 2016 to 2020. Number three, the financial crisis 2008 to 2009. Number four, the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami. Number five, September 11th terrorist attacks 2001. Number six, collapse of the USSR 1991. So COVID-19, was it a rare event? Yes. A global pandemic is rare. Was it computable? Afraid it was. It was computable. Humans have had multiple pandemics, and one has been expected for many years. Bola and SARS were recent ones to 2020, but the 1918-1921 pandemic, also known as the Spanish flu, was the big last prior one. And there were elements of bias. Major effect definitely was a major effect. Was it rationalized by hindsight? We definitely rationalized by hindsight. In fact, I just rationalized it by hindsight. And surprise to the observer? Absolutely, it was a surprise to the observer. It just came for many people. The next one is Brexit. This was the UK exit from the European Union in the 2016 to 2021 period. A rare, non-computable event. No. Rare, yes. Non-computable, no. Psychological bias, definitely. Major effect, I'd say it was mixed. It was definitely a major effect for the Europeans and the global stock markets, but that's small fish. Rationalized by hindsight? Yes. And no, because to any observer of domestic English politics since the 1970s will tell you that the number of people wanting to leave the EU was always high. So was it a surprise to the observer? No. This was not a black swan event. The financial crisis was a major economic meltdown. That was a global event, but mostly clustered in the major Western economies, originating in the US, then moving to the EU. It lasted from late 2007 to early 2009, sometimes also called the global financial crisis. The most famous incident of this crisis was the collapse of the investment bank Lehman Brothers in September 2008. The crisis itself sparked a massive global recession. 
As a fallout from this initial crisis, stock markets went into a tailspin, and even countries like Greece and Iceland got into deep financial trouble. Was it a rare event? Yes. Non-computable event? No. Was there psychological bias involved? Yes. Was it a big, major effect? Yes. Was it rationalized by hindsight? Yes. A surprise to the observer? Yes, but not to everyone. Many people were warning about the US subprime markets, banks' exposures to the markets. I don't think many were talking about the massive fallout and the subsequent bailouts of banks, insurance companies, and even auto manufacturers. So I'm on the fence about this one being a complete black swan event. Observers knew this was going to happen. The stock market bulls chose to turn the other cheek. The 2004 earthquake and tsunami in the Indian Ocean coastlines was a major natural disaster where an earthquake, the third largest quake in history, recorded history, led to massive sea waves into coasts as far apart as Sri Lanka, Indonesia, Thailand and Tamil Nadu in southern India. Was it a rare event? Yes. Non-computable? No. Psychological biases? No. Major effect? Yes. Rationalized by hindsight? No. Surprise surprise to the observer? Yes. To me, a classic black swan event, except because it did not happen to richer countries, the long-lasting, high impact is typically considered, shall we say, less impactful. Then, there was the September 11th terrorist attacks on the US. This was the attacks on the US in 2001. Terrorist hijacked four planes full of passengers, crashed one in a field, crashed one into the Pentagon building in Washington, D.C., crashed one each into two skyscrapers full of people in New York City, all in the same few minutes of one morning. Rare event? Yes. Non-computable? Yes, though there were actual intelligence suggesting that an attack was imminent and one had been tried in the same spot in 1993. Was it rationalized by hindsight? Yes. Was there psychological bias? Yes. Major effect? Yes. This event is close to a full-on black swan event. And the last one, collapse of the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. The USSR, or Soviet Union, was a major superpower and one of the two main players in the Cold War of the late 1900s. It collapsed in 1991 very suddenly after a failed coup causing geopolitical ripples not seen for decades. Was it a rare event? Yes. Non-computable? Yes. Was it rationalized by hindsight? Yes. Was there psychological bias involved? Yes. This was a major black swan surprise even to those outside and inside the USSR. Of the six crises that I've just mentioned in the past 30 years, Only the COVID-19 crisis and the 2004 tsunami were closest to the end-of-time stories. It was certainly the end of times if you were an unfortunate victim of these events. COVID had the distinction of impacting every single person on the planet. Everyone, all 8 billion people or so, no other event had that influence. So for all six of these events from the past, what can we learn? What can we learn from these six events to help us predict the future? Let's at least break it down by timeline. From the collapse of the USSR to 9-11, that was 10 years. From 9-11 to the tsunami, 
three years. From the tsunami to the financial crisis, four years. From the financial crisis to Brexit, six years. From Brexit to COVID-19, four years. What about in the order of magnitude? Let's start with the biggest one. Number one, COVID-19. It affected 8 billion people, after all, and changed the socioeconomic foundations of the pre-2020 world. Number two, the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami killed around 220,000 people in 15 countries. Another 43,000 people remain missing, presumed dead, and 1.7 million people were displaced. Number three, 9-11. Not only was this a massive terrorist attack, but it resulted in two massive wars, hundreds of thousands displaced or dead, billions in spend, ripples across Arab countries, and had wide-ranging negative connotations and impact on the countries of Syria and Libya, among others. Number four, the collapse of the USSR. It changed the status quo of the world's largest country and one of only two superpowers. The impact was to end the Cold War and leaving the US as the only major power. Number five, the financial crisis, was resulted in a major geopolitical shift. It hard hit major economies, specifically the major Western economies, and resulted in an economic power shift from Western countries to China. Then the last one, number six, Brexit massive impact to the world's largest trading bloc and the relationship between it and others. It risked the spread of this idea and the ultimate breakdown of the liberal world order. Do these events have context? Do they have hindsight? Were there any seeds that were sown that had been brewing? It's what Taleb assumes as psychological bias and the ability to rationalize with hindsight which ultimately is what history is. We look at things with that bias, with that history, with that hindsight. Everything seems to have context. Sometimes they come out of the blue. To an observer, they happen randomly. But for a historian, everything seems to have some kind of context. And something is always brewing that leads to the next crisis. Brexit, for example, had its roots in the movement to limit or end the UK's political and economic entanglements with the EU. The Treaty of Lisbon that was signed in 2007 came into effect in 2009. This treaty modified the 1957 original Treaty of Rome and the 1992 Treaty of Maastricht. Ever closer union, political and economic, sent shockwaves across many in the EU who did not want to be tied to the political entity that was being created. There had always been a hint of leftist and rightist individuals who always detested the European movement. One side seeing it as an undemocratic socialist agenda, while the other seeing it as an undemocratic capitalist agenda. The UK joined the community in 1973, but as early as 1975, a referendum had to be held to settle things. Remain one then. It was a little surprise, therefore, to watchers of English politics that Britain decided to leave the EU in 2016. 
because of the English voters. The financial crisis had been predicted by naysayers, naysayers for a while. The US subprime mortgage crisis happened because, simply put, banks were lending to anyone with sweetness. When the sweetness collapsed, the banks collapsed. The later printing of money and bailouts of large corporations and countries was not predicted, but the actual collapse of the Western banking system was waiting in the wings and had started to develop in the early 2000s as cheap, easy wealth for financiers. The collapse of the Soviet Union, with hindsight, started once the Berlin Wall collapsed and Gorbachev, as leader of the USSR, introduced Perestroika and Glasnost. This opening up of the Soviet ecosystem led many inside the Soviet Union to question the benefits of the USSR. The eventual desire of Russia itself to end the USSR was part of this. Although less obvious than Brexit or the financial crisis, its seeds were sown soon after Gorbachev arrived on the scene in 1985. The events of September 11th were predicted by various US and non-US intelligence briefings. There were signs afoot, including the September 2001 Taliban violence against the Afghan Northern Alliance. In addition, the US had been attacked itself at the New York City World Trade Center in 1993. It was, after all, the stated desire of the Al-Qaeda terrorist movement to attack the US. There was mounting evidence and the ocean was bubbling with activity but many chose to ignore the many clearly open signs that there was an attack imminent. After all, there are so many attacks imminent. Which one do you pick? Earthquakes and tsunamis have been part of human existence as part of nature itself. However, the big Indian Ocean event in 2004 was not expected and no one had plans in place to prevent it. Indeed, another such event would also not see a plan to prevent it. COVID-19 was not planned, unless you believe the Wuhan lab leak human design theorem. Assuming for a moment it was a natural occurrence, then we can safely assume it was an act of God, or indeed a wrath of God, similar to the tsunami. In other words, the hit was not man-made. That said, humans have had to tackle pandemics forever. Even in recorded history, things like plagues have been around for a while, documented in the Roman Empire and beyond. Even recently, with the swine flu and Ebola, humans know they are vulnerable. People even predicted a major global pandemic. Again, signs have been there. If you assume it was a leak, intentionally or in unintentionally, from a lab, then again, Many countries have technically been preparing for a terrorist bioattacks for many years. What a quick, short examination of these recent histories of the last 30 years tells us is that the next crisis is coming in our lifetimes. From 2021, we can assume then that it's four to 10 years away, on an average, I'd say of seven years. Anything from low severity like Brexit to high severity like COVID. We also know that it will come and we must also assume that it will come in either natural or human-made forms. Natural could include another pandemic, but in a much more severe status. 
a supermassive volcano, earthquake, asteroid hitting the Earth, or any climatic ne nemesis. The severity of all of this will be magnified a millionfold if the victims are from wealthy countries in North America or Western Europe. As bad as it sounds, that's how perceptions happen. Are we prepared for such natural calamities? Well, recent history suggests no, not at all. If the asteroid hits, it hits, it's done. If another worse pandemic comes, it comes. We cannot stop a volcano a quick. Any of these hitting large population centers will be worse than happening in a more remote area. In short, a natural calamity of some high magnitude should be expected. That leads us to my predictions. So what are my predictions? Following on from my point earlier about natural calamities, well, as I said, they're bound to happen. We should expect it and may prepare for it. But when it happens, and if it happens, at scale, will come as a shock and a surprise. An observation from the COVID and tsunami events is that one should not underestimate humans, though. The Homo sapiens as a species are extremely adaptable and resilient to such events. Even a supervolcano event that sends shudders to the world will result in survivor stories. Humans have this amazing ability to survive and adapt to what this planet throws at us. Not every natural event is survivable, and of course we can go the way of the dinosaurs, but anything short of a full wipeout, I fear that this species will survive. The next natural or synthetic, depending on where you fall on this topic, see my episode 19, calamity could also be climate change. Even if it is a natural warming or cooling cycle, yes, it could also be a cooling cycle, again, listen to episode 19, we face some severe problems. For one, access to clean, fresh drinking water. In fact, water itself could be a major problem as upstream countries decide to build dams impacting downstream countries. We see this with the Nile River and with the Brahmaputra River in 2021. In other human-inspired political influences where we are sowing the seeds of future discontent include cyber attacks. We are due for a cyber showdown. During the 2021 India-China border conflict, a mass power outage in Mumbai was attributed to a Chinese hack. The ability for some to attack with impunity, impunity will give massive power politically to some countries. In my view, those countries are the U.S., Russia, Israel, Iran, North Korea, and China. They're the most active countries in cyber hacking. No one else has the intent at that level or capability to do it. My biggest fear is a hit to the electric or sewage systems, airlines, air traffic control, military, and future connected devices. What could be worse is a hit to the financial services industry. Imagine waking up to zero investments and zero digits in your bank or crypto wallet. Another human-inspired one is the India-China conflict. In my view, this rivalry could end up shaping the next 50 to 100 years of history. How the two decide to operate or cooperate could determine how the next few decades play out. China is miles ahead of India in preparedness and intent. India, though, feels it has the ability to put China in its place when needed and, given, and give it a bloody nose as necessary. 
2020's virus and 2021's border clash shows that China is the one pushing and India is the one absorbing right now. The US-China conflict is another one. China's rise to superpower status will be complete by 2030. However, it will struggle in 20 to 25 years as their one-child policy begins to bite. The US still has a strong hand to play, but increasingly the Chinese have shown an ace card after another ace card. Barring another pandemic from a Chinese market, some will see a China-US showdown as a net positive if it does not become a hot war, because what that does is it allows for a multipolar universe. Meaning you don't have one superpower, you have two, and if you're a small power or third power, you can just play one off the other. Therefore, it is in the benefit of non-US and non-Chinese countries to have two big powers. The South China Sea and Taiwan also remain contested. China claims full ownership of both, but Taiwan itself remains staunchly independent. The South China Sea has become essentially, in military terms, China's backyard, although that is questioned by the other countries that share space with the South China Sea. Then there's North Korea. It is another hotbed of nuclear activity. One mistake, one tragic error from North Korea, and it's boom. India and Pakistan, another one where a single misadventure could lead to a nuclear conflict. Pakistan is still on record open to using its nukes first if needed. Another one, collapse of the Iranian regime. This might sound unlikely today in April 2021, but its sustainability is fragile, even amongst its many younger citizens. Terrorism. I feel radical terror as an international threat will remain a problem, but may have dimmed down after the defeat of ISIS and the COVID lockdowns. Another one is radical leftist and militant woke ideologies in Western countries. Growth of violent leftist violence is often not targeted in many Western countries because it was born out of the mainstream elitist organizations. I feel that this is going to come back and bite these countries. Here's my other one. The next one is COVID drag, where vaccines become ineffective to future variants and prolong lockdowns, leading to renewed protests and pushback to government control. Here's another one. Potential collapse of the EU. Brexit is one, but what if France or Germany left the EU? It is a possibility. Lockdowns and illegal immigration forcing people to seek protectionist politicians. A Germany or France leaving the EU would spell the end of the EU. US-Russia conflict. This has been brewing for decades. It could come to a head. At this point, neither Russia nor the US have anything to lose. Only a nuclear event could be avoided. But other small-scale conflict, especially in places like the Ukraine and elsewhere, cannot. Technology-induced conflicts is another one. This will be where fake news, misinformation, and deep fake photos or videos cause sporadic violence leading to tech controls by governments. Lastly, the collapse of the US dollar regime, where the USD is replaced by Bitcoin, Ethereum, or another cryptocurrency for international trade or hedge. 
This will lead to a financial reality check like we have not seen since the 1970s and lead to the decline of US hegemony. A collapse of the stock market would be so severe at best, making the 2008 collapse look like child's play. What adds to this problem is the constant printing of the US dollar already in place since 2007. The only thing holding the US dollar up in April 2021 is the fact that there really isn't another viable alternative, meaning the US dollar remains paramount and the US stock exchanges remain paramount. I would like to add one more. Maybe this is the last one. And that is the building of finance on the Ethereum platform. And it could take place without and outside of traditional banking. In other words, people could buy, lend, and do finance on the Ethereum platform, which is on the Ethereum crypto network. Undoubtedly, governments will try to monitor it, but it becomes very difficult because it is a very secure system and it is not using tokens issued by governments. In other words, finance could be radically reshaped and broken and shaken. Watch this space. Of course, there are other trends that I have not picked up on. I'm so sure. My guess is that some, all, or a few of the ones that I've mentioned might all happen at the same time. They will happen soon or are developing now. The stories suggest that there is bound to be something that happens, again, as I said, within the next 10 years, and possibly even sooner. Are you ready for the next Black Swan event? Oh, and before I go, what I did not mention is that there used to also be a New Zealand swan. It is now extinct. As long as humans don't go the way of the New Zealand swan, the species will endure, survive, and go back to our old ways and thrive. Good luck, everyone. You're going to need it. This has been an Alternative History Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. And please keep an eye on my predictions. If they come true, I told you so. If not, then I'll come up with some new predictions next year. Thank you again.